Okay. If you were a child in a public school or played sports growing up in the United States of America, you remember fundraisers, whether it was wrapping paper or popcorn or those catalogs that just had a bunch of really cheap junk to raise money for your school or for your sports team or for your church or whatever. I know that you remember this. We all have these memories of these fundraisers. And the reality is, is that fundraisers are important. These organizations need to raise money for education and programming and all those kinds of things. But what if we changed the way that we fundraise? What if we made an impact not only for the organizations that we're raising money for, but also the people making the things that we're selling? Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Carol Ficino, the founder of Fairtrade Caravans. Fairtrade Caravans was conceived when Carol decided to use her background as a marketing and operations professional, along with her long-term interest in global affairs to create a social enterprise called Fairtrade Caravans. As a parent, Carol was exposed to many, many of these school fundraisers that offer mass-produced products, offering children more stuff to incentivize them. There's little information about where and how these products are made and priced. And as a citizen, she found that there are few ways to learn about fair trade and the products produced by the industry. So with fair trade caravans, she created it in a way that schools and nonprofits can receive a transparent program that provides information about the product's origins, the stories behind the artisans and farmers that make and grow them, and how they're priced. I loved this conversation with Carol. It is something that as a parent of young kids and we're doing fundraisers and someone who is passionate about fair trade and ethical fashion and purchasing with purpose, I just really love this unique niche that Carol has found herself in and the way that she is changing an entire industry. I know you're going to love this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Carol. Carol, I am so excited to finally have you on the show. This has been a long time coming. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Molly. I'm thrilled to be here. You and I connected. I mean, I feel like it was over a year ago, um, you know, and just I have loved kind of over the last year seeing the work that you are doing with Fairtrade Caravans. And I'm just so excited to hear more about kind of the story behind it. So, um, but let's get to know you. So give us the Carol 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Well, it's been an exciting journey, I have to say. Uh, I am come from a world, a very structured growing up world of sort of following in my dad's footsteps and, you know, public school education, heading off to UMass Amherst for college, majoring in their school of business and management, and then going to work um, in the electronics industry. And, you know, that's sort of where I thought my life, you know, would continue. After that, you know, I stayed in corporate 
for, oh gosh, right up until a few years ago. So I won't say how many, 20 plus. The majority of my career has been for small companies in the biotech industry, working on the business side. I did like that work because I did feel like the biotech industry is, as you know, especially now, integral yeah. in you know, helping advance health and medications. And that's what's happening now with the virus. So it was wonderful to be a part of that. Uh, but I never had grand designs on climbing the corporate ladder. And then through various circumstances, when my the last company, a small consulting firm that I work for, was sold, I had that opportunity, that lucky opportunity to reevaluate what I wanted to do with uh, the second half of my career. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I didn't want to stay where I was. I did want to make a difference. Uh, I had learned a lot about health and people going through the biotech industry and then really sitting down and... <laughs> You know, somebody asked me, like, what would you do if you could go back to college? And I said, well, you know what? I would have left Framingham, Massachusetts, gone to work for the UN or for an NGO, seen more of the world, and maybe I would have learned what I've just learned in the past few years. Mm. Um, but because I didn't do that, I that's what led me to think about what I wanted to explore and what was important to me. Always been interested in world events look at the paper every day, look at the news, curious about international events. And I started to weave that into what could I do to help people in the world, right. <laughs> which is a pretty, pretty big idea. Right. So I, you know, I'm gesturing with my hands, but I'm narrowing it down to, I, I'm a single mom, can't really head off to third world countries with my son, who's in his formative teenage years now. How could I interact with the world in a different way? And, you know, then started researching fair trade and what it really meant. Did a lot of reading. I volunteered at 10,000 Villages, which is a major fair trade wholesaler. Yeah, we're a big uh, fan of 10,000 Villages oh, great. here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And they, you know, and I love their mission, which is it's sell to buy, not buy to sell. In right. other words, they want to uh, support artisans right. around the world. So I did all this research, uh, talked to a lot of people, talked to some women-owned businesses, networked, probably have done all the things that you've done with your business to narrow it down to finding a niche. There's plenty of fair trade retailers and wholesalers that buy from artisans and farmers around the world. Did I really need to copy that? No. What I wanted to do ultimately is sell more of the products that already are coming into the US. And that went down to the niche of Fundraising, school fundraising specifically, but that has definitely morphed into nonprofit as well. Uh, so I don't know if, if your children are young. I don't know if you've seen any of the catalogs that have come home yet. Um, oh, yeah. My son's a teenager and all through his elementary and even now into high school, there's all these fundraisers with products that you don't know where they come from. You don't know how they're priced, who makes them. And how are some of these vendors, the fundraising vendors, giving back 40 or 50% of a sale of $20? I mean, how is that possible financially without mm -hmm. someone paying the price? Right. Uh, so I decided fair trade fundraising was the way to go um, and started off. I was convinced I started off doing events and carrying product around to promote the idea. I built the website, uh, with, which is now in its third year, where uh, we are having schools and nonprofits host online events. And I've worked closely with the wholesalers. 
trying to find the right combination of products that will appeal to schools and nonprofits at the right price and also have the availability for us to, at some point, move to break even. We are a social enterprise, which is people and planet before profit. Mm -hmm. But someday, sooner than later, I hope, I would like to pass on or bring in people that can make a living, not make a lot of money, but make a living selling fair trade. Otherwise, it will always be seen as a charity and it's not. It's paying people fair wages with no child labor and everyone deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. (laughs) Well, I love that story. And I love kind of I always am really fascinated by sort of the roundabout way that people sometimes end up doing what they're doing. And I love, too, how you really you realize the importance of kind of finding that niche that you wanted to really focus on and, you know, kind of looking around you and seeing what is a need that is in my own community and how can I kind of combine these passions? And, you know, I have an elementary aged child. My daughter's in first grade and my son's going to be in kindergarten next year, but they've been in, you know, preschool since they were two. And so we've done the preschool fundraisers. And, you know, now we've done the elementary school fundraisers. And I remember, I mean, I was in by my senior year of high school, I was in, I think, four or five different choirs. I was a choir kid. I also played golf, but I was I was really a choir kid. And choirs did a lot of fundraisers. We sold the wrapping paper. We sold the White House Christmas ornaments. Like we sold the popcorn and the cookie dough and like the giant catalogs with just all this random stuff. And I remember like every year, with the exception of the White House Christmas ornaments, because I still have those and I really like those. Um, <laughs> With the exception of those, like, There was no like personal attachment to any of these things. It was just like a thing you had to do in order to raise money for your choir to go on some choral competition trip or the, you know, the the sports team is raising money to try to go play in some tournament. I mean, there's just all these things. And, you know, and obviously like fundraising is an important thing and it teaches kids a lot of things too. It teaches kids, you know, money management. It teaches kids sales. I mean, I was a Girl Scout, door-to-door Girl Scout, you know, cookie sales. And so these are important skills that you can teach as a kid. But I love how what you've done with Fair Trade Caravans is, you know, you understand as a mom the importance of school fundraising and things like that. But then you also understand this balance of how can we weave in something that is so that is important for us to talk about is important for us to be educating our kids on. And I mean, I've, you know, my kids are four and seven or five and almost five and seven. My son's going to be five (laughs) soon. Um, And, you know, I talk to them about this stuff all the time. And so it's just kind of a roundabout way to say that I I really love your approach to this. And so you kind of came up with this idea for fair trade caravans and doing fair trade fundraising. Where did you begin when you were like, okay, I'm going to do this? How did you even begin to know where to start? It's so funny because I do tell this story. My original idea, and that I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, mobile businesses really took off, food trucks especially, but you know, it was a big deal. And I, my first thought was, I'm going to get an Airstream trailer fill it with fair trade products and go around to schools and give little, like locally here in the Boston area, give little presentations about fair trade and show the kids the products and 
you know, then the schools, they can do it, use the products for fundraising. The second person I sat down with is like, you're a single mom, (laughs) you know, trailers and trucks and people to drive them are, you know, a lot of money that doesn't really drive with your lifestyle and and also what you want to accomplish. If you want to sell more product and eventually get to break even and have a little business, you'll be doing this for 20 years. So that woke me up pretty quickly. Mm. And that's when I went to exploring how to do it online and, you know, making that initial investment with my own resources to build uh, the website that we are going to uh, redo this year. I'm very excited about it because it'll be much more interactive and have much more information and better product photos and, and all of those things. So building the website and then I have to say that was the easy part, relatively speaking. Yeah. Really selling. A lot of people may tell you that it is so hard to get past the initial 10 people that love your idea. Yes. <laughs> that are related to you, that are friends with you. <laughs> yep. But say, that's the best, you know, the best idea ever, Carol everyone's going to love it. So you go out there and you think everyone you talk to is going to embrace that idea. And they don't. They're busy. They have other things to do. They don't like change or don't want to change if something's worked for them for year after year. So that has been the challenge. Um, And I have to tell you, it's so hard to see what people have gone through in this pandemic, but it has significantly increased our visibility. Uh, All these events, such as fun runs and craft fairs, none of them happened this year. And that made us be able to take a significant leap, even from 2019 uh, to 2020. Yeah, well, that was actually going to be my next question was, how has the pandemic kind of forced you to pivot and maybe even grow a little bit in a different way than you had originally anticipated? That definitely happened because up until through 2019, my business model was either putting together individual orders here for local schools or putting together bulk orders that schools outside of Massachusetts and New Hampshire would put together themselves and yeah. distribute. Yeah. And then when the pandemic hit, I had a couple of consultants who you know I know through networking and who have helped me. And we sat down and said, can I pivot to direct shipping every single order. And we gave, we did a pilot program in the spring with five local nonprofits because schools were still figuring out how to deal with the virus. Yeah. Um, did five uh, fundraisers. I shipped a couple of hundred orders out of where I'm sitting now <laughs> and worked out a lot of the kinks so that we went into the holiday season where, we, where I had 45 fundraisers able to manage that amount almost on my own with, I have a woman, Christine Montlebute, who made my original connection with you. Yeah. So I, I thank her and she is by my side for three years working in New Hampshire, 20 hours a week, doing all the buying and working with the wholesalers. And then I had a wonderful volunteer, the mom of a, a friend of my son's who stood with me, I think every afternoon for two weeks and helped me ship out 1,020 orders. Wow. <laughs> wow. Could you have imagined even a year and a half ago standing and shipping out 1,020 orders in a week? Nope. And I didn't even know if my uh, warehouse slash spared bedroom next to the garage could hold all the product coming in from the wholesalers. (laughs) Never mind putting it, unpacking it, quality control, and then putting it back into orders. 
<laughs> I bet your your uh, UPS FedEx delivery people love you. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, you know, Dan, my UPS man, was here every day, and uh, he got a nice big tip. He was the most wonderful <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So obviously, as you have pivoted and you know, you've moved so much to online, you know, what has been the response from these organizations, from the schools as they have now worked with you and gotten to kind of see what this can look like when you're doing something that is obviously benefiting the school, but really learning the stories behind these products and why it's so important to care about how things are made? What has been the the response and feedback? It has been really great. Definitely have had positive feedback and looking forward to, this was an interesting year. While my business grew, I had so many new fundraisers because a lot of the people that have worked for us in the past just were overwhelmed by the virus and said, we'll come back in 2021. So I'm looking forward to a banner year this year with all the new schools and nonprofits, as well as the ones I've worked with in the past that just couldn't cope with doing any kind of fundraising in the middle of pandemic. Um, But what I found, it's been very interesting, (laughs) even though the funds raised is why schools and nonprofits are doing this, obviously, for the people that are doing this, the people that have reached out to me from these organizations money is secondary. Mm. It's their belief that they want to work with an ethical, sustainable business that is selling products, as you know, with, you know, fair wages, no child labor, safe working conditions. They don't want, you know, selling products made by children. I mean, like some of these inexpensive items from, you know, maybe other countries. Yeah. So, It's been very interesting because I thought that I would just go out and target a group of schools or nonprofits that I thought had similar values to us, like Montessori schools, for example, or Catholic schools. It's and those they do have these beliefs, but it's more the person, the individual and their belief that has come to us to do fair trade fundraising, Mm. not necessarily the Montessori school or the Catholic School Association. And it's definitely the fact that they want to raise money, but they want to know that the products are made fairly and their quality and they're at the right price. So that's been the balance based on this past year. We know we're achieving. And every product, and I'm really looking forward to our new website because right now we just have a one-dimensional level on our website where each product has a photo and a very short description. Yeah. We're going to move to multiple photos with the stories like, you know, oh, I love I'll, that. Say, I'll say a product is made handmade by women in Vietnam, but that's about all I can say. Now we're going to go a level deeper so people can read the stories. Oh, that woman in Vietnam is supporting her family and has health care and child care. And they're going to really see the deeper impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and also definitely expanding our fair trade resources. I started off by going to local schools and speaking, which I love. It's a lot of fun, but that's simply not repeatable nationally. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to do more videos and get more of our artists and stories out there um, and try to get a bigger piece of the education out as well. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Carol to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. How much time do you spend reading labels? A lot, right? Mama Suds would like to help you take the stress of research out of your life with their truly safe, non-toxic household cleaning collection. They have everything you need to keep your family and your home clean and safe. Now, if you've seen me on Instagram before or even here on the podcast, because I actually had the founder of Mama Suds on here a few years ago, you know I love their products. The best part is not that they not only work, but they use plants and minerals to make their products and absolutely nothing synthetic. The head mama at Mama Suds, Michelle Smith, has spent a crazy amount of time tracking down exceptional ingredients so that they are not only safe for you and your family, but also sustainable for the planet. Mama Suds wants to inspire you to live a smart, healthy, and sustainable life that brings you joy and peace of mind. Try them out at www.mamasuds.com and use the code MOLLY for 15% off your first order. Now, without further ado, on to my conversation with Carol. Yeah, there's so much that you can weave in, you know, educational components when it comes to stuff like this. And you know, beginning to just teach your kids and teach teach our, you know, the next generation about being global citizens. And what does it look like to be a global citizen? And, you know, that you're no different than these kids that live in Vietnam or China or Kenya or, you know, South America, like you're no different from them. You just grew up, but you're growing up in a different culture and you have different opportunities, but you're no better than them. They're no better than you. We're all global citizens and we can support each other and be a part of a global community that cares about one another. And, you know, that's something that I'm so passionate about teaching my own kids and having them understand that they are just a tiny blip, you know, amongst this giant, you know, world that we live in. And, you know, our culture you know, our kind of Western culture is very self-focused and self-centered and our kids are um, inundated with these messages of self. And, you know, while those things aren't necessarily inherently bad, like, you know, on a on a surface level, but if it's all we focus on, then it can be it can be damaging. It can be detrimental. And so kids forget that there's a, there's a big old world out there. And so this really does open up, you know, just incredible conversation with your kids. And we give, I, I sometimes, I don't know, maybe, maybe as I, because I'm a parent of young kids, I feel like sometimes kind of speaking in generalizations, we take for granted what our kids can understand. You know what I mean? Um, we, we take for granted that they can have altruistic hearts and we can take for granted that they can understand, you know, what fair trade is and what it means. And but by providing these opportunities for them to do fundraisers for their school and learn about these products and, you know, dive deeper and learn about the people behind them, um, that has a, that has an impact that has a lasting impact. It does. It, and I think it does start with us as the adults. And that's one of my hopes to take that deeper dive because Obviously, all our purchases are made by adults, not by the children. Yeah. And a lot of times these emails go home to the parents, they click on the fundraiser, they buy the product, and then they go off to the next 
activity, which, you know, of course you're busy, right? Yeah. So we are trying to expand the message, um, get the attention more of a lot of these communities that are associated with schools have never had exposure to fair trade, which Mm -hmm. is why it's such a great opportunity to get the message out to a larger group of people in the U.S. And, you know, we're trying to make fair trade a global mission, you know, through empowering a caring community of doers, right? So don't just buy the one item from our fundraiser. Think about it. And when you go to the store and you see fair trade coffee on the shelf or, you know, even now, I know Amazon is a is a big company. Um, try not to do much buying with them, but they do own Whole Foods now. And when I walk in there, I see green beans. I see, yep. you know, snow peas, pineapples, um, sugar, all of them with the fair bananas, chocolate, all of them with the fair trade seal. And I'm hoping that by buying some of our products through fundraisers, it'll get those adults thinking. They'll buy that. They might say to their children, hey, look, I bought fair trade bananas and it's got, you know, someone made a living picking these bananas and their kids go to school. <laughs> yep. You know, so so how to keep spreading that beyond the fundraising piece yeah. into a much bigger community. Yeah. So somebody comes to you and says, I want to do a fundraiser. How does it work logistically? easy, which is how we're trying to promote it. Um, It's going to be a transition with our new website. Currently, I, within a matter of minutes, I can set up a fundraiser for people, you know, online for them to review with their logo. We have a little thermometer, which, you know, shows how much they want to raise and all the products. And it looks very similar to any e-commerce site. So I set that up for the, I only ask for their logo and how much they want to raise or a goal. I send them a draft and they review it, make any edits. And then it's basically fair trade caravans slash whatever the organization name is. They send that link out to their communities and people come right to the site and buy. At the end of the fundraiser, we send a check for 25% of the product sale. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you have had a lot of success in the last year. And you actually just sent out an email the other day, uh, kind of highlighting that. Can you share kind of just the highlights of some of the success you've had in the last year? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, went from 20 fundraisers to 50 fundraisers, you know, and shipping out well over a 1000 orders for the year, and just really figuring out like all entrepreneurs how to get it done. And You know, I may have had 10 shipping errors I made <laughs> in my thousand orders, but you know what? The people that that they affected, you know, I, I apologized. They came right back and they said, no, no problem. We love your mission. And we moved on. You know, I have a wonderful, caring group that participates and, you know, we hope to keep growing that group. The challenge that we've had is really logistically, everything works fine. We get an order, we ship out an order. We, we buy the product from the wholesalers who are so supportive of us. So all of that logistics has worked almost seamlessly. However, the challenge has been on the part of the organizations and schools in promoting it. Mm. Getting the word out yeah. consistently, more than once, using the resources that we do. We give them email templates. We give them the, the formatted pictures for social media you know, the link to the fundraiser, but we are not allowed to take obviously their list of contacts, Mm -hmm. you know, so it is up to them to promote the fundraiser. And that's where we're trying to make more progress, you know, 
encouraging yeah. these groups and making it easier, especially with the new website. You have so many different kinds of products that these schools can sell. You've got everything from, you know, home decor and jewelry, accessories, coffee, tea, holiday themed products. So you have really curated an incredibly diverse group of products um, or a product line for people. And I know that you've been really conscious of price points, too, as fundraisers. You know, people, you know, people don't want to be overwhelmed by fundraisers, but they still want to buy something. So there's like a it's interesting. There's there tends to be this almost like sweet spot when it comes to fundraising price points, because it's like people see a certain number and they're like, oh, oh no, I can't do that. But then they don't want to be too cheap. So <laughs> have you found kind of a magic middle ground, like a 10 a price point? Yeah, the challenge has been more on our pricing. You know, it's usually it's it's about between 15 and 40 dollars is what we sell our products for you know i again something i learned as an entrepreneur and never having dealt with a retail product and the margins none of that i mean i've worked in corporate so uh luckily with christine i learned a lot from her experience the fact that we give back 25 percent of the product sale means we can't just do the normal retail doubling the wholesale price right we have to pretty much triple that. And so we have to find something from our wholesalers that we can two and a half to three times the wholesale price that's still a good quality and that people want to buy. So luckily having Christine curating those with me takes quite a bit of time. And then we need to change them or update them at least twice a year, at least about 75% of the products, you know, to keep people interested. And we do want schools and nonprofits to keep coming back, not just doing the fundraiser once. So, you know, it's challenging, but it is, it is fun as I'm sure, you know, from looking at all the different brands that you like the ethical brands, you know, it's, it's interesting and fun to look at all these different types of products, how they're made, who makes them, you know, and then getting them back out into the world. So it is challenging, but we find that fundraising for schools, you can't just, we can't be competitive and just sell one or two items like right. cookie dough or chocolate. Yep. Yep. To get people to participate, we need that range of categories. Yeah. Well, if somebody is interested in doing a fundraiser and they, you know, either if they're a parent and they want to do it with their school or if they're just involved in their local school system or again, churches and sports teams and nonprofits, I mean, really anybody that needs to raise money can work with you. So how can they best do that? Really, like, you know, most sites, uh, we have our contact page with uh, that comes right to me personally. So fairtradecaravans.com slash contact. There's also on our homepage, a sample fundraiser people can look at to see what a fundraiser looks like. And obviously they can look through all the products that we currently have coming up as our Valentine's Day fundraiser starting January 29th, our first ever. We're excited. Uh, We're adding two more fundraisers this year. So we are going to have Valentine's Day, uh, spring and Mother's Day in April. We're having one for the end of a nonprofit's fiscal year in June, a fall and a holiday. So we're hoping those will appeal to a variety of groups and, you know, we'll see an increase of people supporting fair trade. That's so awesome. Okay, Carol, now is the portion of the show where we just transition just a little bit to ask some uh, good to know you questions. So Carol, are you ready for the get to know you round? 
I am. Perfect. Okay. I am a big reader. I have a big goal of reading uh, 50 books this year. Um, I increase my goal by five each year and I always beat it, but I'm a big, big reader. So my question is, are you a reader? And if so, any particular books that you have read recently or that you are reading right now? I do read. I'm one of those old-fashioned people. I get the the physical newspaper every morning. Oh, I love that. Part of my routine. You know, I get up even though I work at home. I get up at six thirty every weekday. Get the paper. uh, Read through it because I feel like that's important to keep up to date. I grew up reading. I grew up before cell phones and had the three TV channels. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what I did. I read. you know, right now I'm reading, I don't know if you've heard of it, The Goldfinch, a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. I have uh, heard of it, but I've not read it. Yeah, it's a very interesting story, a long one. I do like lighter fiction, you know, Jojo Noyes, who wrote Me Before You. Oh, yeah, um, so good. Love her books. Um, and I'm a big fan of historical fiction. Uh, I also listen to a lot of uh, audiobooks as every day I get out for a walk with with my dog, Maximus. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I listen, I like to listen to some of the current novels on audio. Yeah, I introduced myself, <laughs> not th- like I wasn't introduced. I just, I incorporated audiobooks into my reading a couple of years ago and I love them. And it's funny how some books I like to, I don't know if you're like this, I like to physically hold and read a book, but then there are some books that I want to listen to. Like it's an experience. And the one that when people say, I'm looking for a good audiobook, the one that the number one that I recommend every single time is Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Every single time I'm like, you have to listen to it because he narrates it and it's his it's his story of growing up in South Africa during apartheid. And his father was white, his mother was black. And so growing up, you know, basically he was born a crime. He was it was illegal to uh, have interracial relationships during that time. And so it's this amazing mix of being serious. And also he's a comedian. So it's hilarious. And he does all the different accents of his grandmother and his it's it's an experience. It's an audio experience. So yes, I love that you mentioned audiobooks because I'm a big advocate for that too. <laughs> I will definitely look that one up because I'm always looking for new ideas. Really, really good. It's very, very excellent. There's There are parts that are not safe for young ears, but it is, it is very worth it. <laughs> it is very, very worth it. Um, okay. Question number two, what is your favorite song that every single time it comes on, like you have to sing along with it. It doesn't even matter where you are. You're going to sing along with it. <laughs> oh, is what's the name of it? Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh! <laughs> That's not the name of it. Yes. Uh, is it? Nothing I can do. A total Eclipse <laughs> of the Heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> I love it. Once upon a time, I was falling in love. love. Now I'm only falling apart. (laughs) Now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head the rest of the day. I love it. Excellent choice, Carol. Love it. Um, Okay. Question number three. If you had to eat the same meal for dinner every single day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. That is a tough one. Um, My tastes have evolved as I've gotten older. You know, so I've really, uh, you know, I've really come to appreciate a variety of tastes and flavors that I never would have as a young person. So I guess I would go more for 
something with a lot of flavor in it. Last, I mean, last night I made a Mediterranean lamb casserole, which has a lot of great ingredients. It had rice in it, you know, pita chips on the top. Mm. I'm going to go with that. Oh, that sounds delicious. Now I want Mediterranean food. I'll send you the recipe. I like it. Please do. (laughs) Okay. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, Carol, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? It's funny. A lot of the women's groups that I've been involved with, and I'm sure you have, have said, us women never give each other or ourselves enough credit. Mm. Um, I want to say that, you know, I had a very traditional upbringing and, you know, my parents are the product of, you know, hard times, you know, and they've, they've worked hard, but I'm proud that fair trade has been a slow dawning for me. Yeah. You know, like at the age of, in my mid forties, like I never thought about where products came from or who made them. I bought popular brands, you know, I brought chocolate bars, you know, and I had no idea of the impact of my buying and how it Mm. affected it. And I'm so proud that I learned about it and that I found a way to try to get the message out. I feel incredibly lucky. My, you know, my family, my friends have been supportive of me my whole life. I have a wonderful son. I live in a nice house, you know, and a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And I feel now at this point in my career and and being middle-aged, you know, I feel happy and proud that I can make an impact in just bringing fair trade out into the world and, you know, not preaching to people about it. That doesn't work, as you know. Yeah. I mean, look look at what you do. But to to show those stories and those products and just, you know, have people go through what I went through is to gradually think about the impact their buying has on the global community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful answer. Carol, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for being on the show. And I just can't wait to see how uh, you just continue to grow over the next few years and the impact that you're going to have on, you know, people here and people abroad. Thank you for having me, Molly. I, I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to hearing it. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business With Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. You can use the code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click the subscribe or follow button, which helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.